Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Amen. I wonder uh, how many of you guys have ever been guilty of pushing people away before? Uh, I've pushed a lot of people away before. Sometimes I push people away because they're annoying. I'm going to be totally honest on that. There was a kid um, that I went to Bible, Bible camp with in the summers. He was, he was a nice kid, but he was also kind of a quiet kid. And so we'd go to summer camp together, and I'd be walking around, and he'd follow me like 20 feet behind me the whole day. Anybody ever been in that situation before? It is uncomfortable. And so then I'd be like, I remember one time I went around a building and I hid real quick. And I'm like, maybe he'll go past and like not find me or something. It was mean. And I was just trying to push him, push him off all week long. Kids do that to me when, I, when we go to the mall together, kids in the youth group. They're like, I think it's normal to walk three feet behind Kellen. And I'm like, if you don't get up by me, I'm going to push you away for the rest of my life. Um, sometimes I push people away because they're too nice. I know some of you are like, well, for Kellen, that probably does make sense. But you're like, how can you push people away from being too nice? Your wife is like the nicest person we know. I'm talking too nice that's like over the top. I've got an uncle who I absolutely love with all my heart. But he's one of those guys where he looks at you with a smile on his face the whole time and his eyes just see through you and it's so uncomfortable. I can't, I don't know what to do. And he's always like, I'm so proud of you. And I got so uncomfortable with it. I just, I come up to him and I just start saying, I'm, I'm really proud of you, uncle. And he, he kind of laughs push him away, you know? But we all push people away. And, and honestly, we push people away in, in kind of two different ways, I think. There's, anytime there's a, there's a pushing away in a relationship, I think that both parties have a part in it. Maybe you're the annoying one, that you're doing annoying things out of your insecurities, and you're pushing somebody away, and finally they've had enough, and they, they, they actually push you away. Um, and... and I, th- I think of a time, one time, there was a, there was a friend of mine that I had in Bible college. And we, for about maybe five years after college, we still would text and, and call once in a while just to kind of check in with each other, see how each other was doing. And, and there was a point where I started to realize, like, she was not doing much for her spiritual life. She wasn't going to church at all. And I was, you know, somebody that I cared about, and I wanted to make sure that she was in the right place spiritually. And so I started asking her about every time that I'd talk, it was like, hey, have you found a church yet? You going anywhere to church? And I started to even sense my own self getting annoying. You know what that's like? Like you want something for somebody and, and you push it a little too much. And I remember one time I, I tried to text or call or whatever. I don't know what it was, but um, she responded with a text like, yeah, I'm kind of busy. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a call. Uh, at some point here when, when it gets less busy. And that's been like 12 years now. No lie. It's been like 12 years. And I just, I, I, can, I could sense that that pushing away was happening. Um, but it's funny how sometimes when we're, when we're doing that, it's like we can't almost stop ourselves. We just keep pushing. And sometimes it's, you know, there's, you care. You care about people. Well, how am I supposed to love people and not push them away when I feel so strongly about stuff. We've all had these moments, I think, where uh, maybe we've pushed people away because we've been frustrated, we've been getting annoyed, or we've been that one, we've been the one we're caring so hard that we're, we're not, maybe we're not loving in the right way. And so we start to push away. The question is, how, 
How can we push in the right ways that fosters healthy relationships with people, but also fosters them getting a healthier relationship with the God that we want them to have a relationship with so much? Is what I'm doing today causing a relationship to collapse, or is it actually going to help that person and help the relationship to grow? I'm going to share a passage here. I'm not going to dig real deeply into this passage today. There's some other stuff we're going to dig into, but I want you to hear this passage from Colossians 3 because I think it gives just such a really good base foundation for what our relationships are supposed to look like. Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It is hard to push people away when, when you're digging into this compassion and kindness that Paul's talking about, the humility and the gentleness that he's talking about. It's hard to push people away there. Patience keeps me from getting overly annoyed with people so that I can do what this... This passage is talking about, about bearing with each other. We talked about uh, bearing with one another last week a little bit. All these things in this passage, it leads to the last verse, what's talking about love binding all of this up together in unity. And sometimes the love that we have for people, it, it doesn't bind up in unity the way we want it to. But this is a perfect image, I think, of what our relationships should look like going forward. Instead of pushing people away, we're doing everything we can to push people towards the relationship with God that, that God wa- has always wanted to have with them. You know, when I think that, I think of the people that I've pushed away through, throughout my life, I can't help but think of it as being a little bit of a failure. There's probably somebody in every single one of your minds right now that you're like, I, I know I pushed that relationship away and man, I wish I could have it back. I wish I could, I wish I could have done better. And so today what I want to do is I want to take a look at really two sides of this coin uh, when it comes to pushing other people away. Because again, I think we push people away in two ways. And so in relationship, there seems to be these two ways that we need to be most concerned about when it comes to pushing people away. The first one is this. Me pushing someone away because I don't like the challenge that they bring to my life. And the second one is me pushing someone away by challenging them hard without loving them well. Is there Those are two tough things that I think all of us struggle with. And so that first one we're going to talk about, about me pushing somebody away because I'm struggling with the challenge that they, that they give to me. And I think this could mean a lot of different things. We've all, we've, I'm sure we've all done this before. Um, maybe they're pushing us to make changes in our lives that we don't want to make. You know, spouses do that with spouses. And sometimes we push away because we don't want to even address that issue in my life. Like I've said before, we push away because of the annoyances that we have with other people. We, they're pushing our buttons, and we don't want to let patience grow in, within us, and so we push away. And there's actually an old story testament that I want to look at for just a little bit today, um, where one guy pushes another guy away because this other guy was challenging him, bringing a challenge that he didn't want to have. And so if you look back at the very first king in the, in, in the history of Israel— There's a guy named Saul, and Saul was, Saul looked like a king. He had every bit the look of a king. In fact, in 1 Samuel 9, 2, it says, he was handsome, he was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anybody else. 
I really hope being really tall doesn't make you a good leader. Um, he looked like a leader. Uh, sometimes I literally still have people give me the side look, like, like what, when, when I tell them I'm a pastor. In fact, there was a, there was a mom who was at kid, her kids were at kids midweek this year. Uh, and they kind of did some stuff and we had to discipline them a little bit. And she was not happy with it at all. And so she comes to the school and I'm, I'm trying to talk to her and she's not happy with what I'm saying. And finally she's like, all right, well, who, who's the guy that I can talk to that, that's above you? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, there's people taller than me, but I don't know about. And she, she's like, well, you got, you got a boss at your church. You're not that. I'm like, well, I'm kind of the pastor. And she looked at me like, you? She said to somebody later on that I had short man syndrome. That was the only thing she was right about <laughs> the whole day. She's totally right. I got short man syndrome. I agree with you. But see, Saul didn't have issues like I sometimes have issues when it comes to leadership. Everybody saw this guy and they just knew by the look of him he was a leader. Absolutely. Like, you look at that guy, yes, he is the leader. But unfortunately, Saul's leadership it did not go the way that it was supposed to. His leadership went to his head. And that happens a lot of times with leaders. Leaders, sometimes things, things go to their head. Politicians, things go to their head. They forgot why they, why they became what they became in the first place. And so Saul is out at, at battle, and he has a great victory at battle. And what he does is he builds a monument to himself. And there's a prophet named Samuel. And Samuel comes up to him, and he's like, dude, what are you doing why are you building a monument to yourself? You know, we're not supposed to do that to anyone other than God. And, and right away, Saul's like, well, I did build this for God. I even saved some, some really great sheep and some great calves so we can sacrifice to God at this monument. And Samuel the whole time's like, dude, you tripping. You did not build this for God. And he actually says to him, what God says now is that your kingdom, your kingship over this kingdom, it's going to come to an end. It's difficult for Saul to hear. He loved being the king. And right around this time then is when a young man named David comes into the story. And Saul finds David, and Samuel finds David, and he anoints him to be the next king. David looked nothing like Saul did. In fact, when Samuel was going to, uh, to, David's, to David's dad and been like, one of your sons I think is supposed to be the king. And David's dad was like, well, go to my first son. He, he's the oldest, he's strong and all this stuff. And Samuel kept saying, no, no, no. Finally gets to the youngest son, the one who's short, the one who's, he's little, he's puny. And he's, all he is is a shepherd boy. And a lot of times people look at shepherds and they're like, well, they ain't much. What's interesting is that Jesus is actually given the title shepherd. Sometimes we look at things and we, see, we don't see what God sees. And that was the case between Saul and David. So the time comes where David, you, a lot of you, you know the story of David and Goliath. David goes out to his brothers as they're at battle, and there's this big dude named Goliath who's, who's just taunting them all. And finally David's like, let me take this dude out. And he takes a stone, and he slings it at his forehead and kills him. And at that point, Sam, Saul actually takes, I'm struggling between Saul and Samuel here today. I'm going to get it right. But Saul then takes David into his, kind of his inner circle. He makes him a commander in the armies. And David is just whooping up. He's having tons and tons of success. But as they return into the city, 
something happens that changed the trajectory of Saul and David's relationship. So this comes from 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 12. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This, this refrain displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. I'm going to read that sentence one more time because I want you to hear what just happened. From that time on, Saul kept a really close eye on David. And then the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. Saul felt really challenged by this young man named David. The relationship had gone from something initially it felt really good to now David, everybody was thinking David was, was better than Saul. And he's struggling like crazy. And what happens is, verse 9, the one that I read twice, is said that he started to keep a close eye on David. I think about relationships where I have pushed people away. It is a danger place when I start to keep a really close eye on somebody else. When I start to see everything in somebody else that I don't like, the things that they're, that they're challenging me with, the things that they're saying that I'm not liking, even the things that I'm getting annoyed with, when I'm starting to look at somebody too closely, what happens is I stop looking at myself very closely. And when I stop looking at myself very closely, I'm not going to grow. In fact, instead of looking at myself and challenging myself, if I'm looking at somebody else too closely, I lose all sense of compassion and love and I become really judgmental. So this is the, this is the warning sign. Keeping a, such a close eye on somebody, it is a warning sign that you are about to push them away. It's a warning sign that you probably are not going to improve yourself. Keeping such a close eye, it, it really takes away our grace and our forgiveness. We start to condemn. And so what Saul did was he started throwing spears at this kid, David. I don't think throwing spears is nice. I think it's probably a way of pushing people away. Now, you probably don't throw spears at people. I hope. I don't know. I don't know what you do in your spare time, you guys. But I'm thinking that there's ways that we get up and we start throwing spears. We start keeping too close of an eye on somebody. We don't like what they're doing. We're getting annoyed by everything they do. The very way that they chew their food is annoying the heck out of us. And all of a sudden, we're throwing spears at them. We are trying to push them away in any way that we can. If you find that people are having to run away from you like David ran away from Saul, it's possible that you also have become a Saul. Are people having to run away from you because you have become too volatile? You've become too unfriendly. You've decided instead of stepping up to the challenge of growing, you've decided that you're going to fight the opposition in any way that you possibly can. You've decided that fighting for your rights is more important than fighting for the relationship with that person. You've decided that uh, fighting uh, against becoming better is more important than anything else. 
People who push other people away, they do not do well. If you look throughout scripture, the people who pushed other people away, it didn't turn out good for them. Uh, Some of the people, Joseph and his brothers. Uh, Joseph had a bunch of brothers and they hated him because their dad had given Joseph a really awesome, beautiful coat. And he was bragging about it all the time. So finally they're like, let's just kill Joseph. And they're like, well, no, we should be nice to him. Let's sell him into slavery. It's really nice. And so they sell him into slavery, and it did not work out good for the brothers. They eventually get to the point where they're almost starving to death in their homeland while Joseph has become second in line to the king, Egypt, uh, king Pharaoh in Egypt. And they're telling lies to their dad, and their dad's almost dying. You got Abraham and Sarah. Sarah got so jealous that she was not able to have a kid that she said to her maidservant, Hagar, why don't you have a kid with Abraham? And then Hagar had a kid named Ishmael, and then all of a sudden, eventually Sarah had a kid. But that kid wasn't good enough for her. She, she got mad because Hagar and, and this child were still around. And so she finally pushed Hagar away and pushed him out into the wilderness. And to this day, still you've got these people groups that are mad at each other and they fight. Pushing people away doesn't work. It didn't work for Saul either. But that last verse I read in 1 Samuel 18. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but he had departed from Saul. He had departed from Saul. When you push someone away because you are not willing to accept the challenge that they present to your life, it is not going to be spiritually healthy for you. Like Saul, he was actually pushing God out of his life. Kids, when you push your parents out, when they're trying to help you get to understand how to live this life for Jesus, you push them out. You're not pushing out just your parents. Sometimes you're pushing out God's direction in your life. Spouses, when we get so mad, we start to push away our spouse. Sometimes we're actually pushing out God's direction in our lives, not just another person. You have relationships in your life today that are God's grace working in your life. You get upset at the push that's coming at you, but that push a lot of times, it is actually God's grace working in your life. We gotta be careful about who we're pushing away. Some of these people are God's answer to how he is going to help you become more kind, more patient, more loving, more peaceful. So let's be really, let's be really careful about pushing people out that we're getting frustrated with. But I want to get to this second question here. This second question about pushing other people away. And this one deals with me pushing someone away because, uh, by challenging them hard without loving them well. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. The message version actually writes it in a way, I really like how the message puts it. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love like Christ in everything. And I don't like to put this so bluntly, but I think a lot of times, Christians, we just don't know how to tell the truth in love. We think sometimes that telling the truth is the utmost highest importance. And so when we tell things in love, when we tell things in truth, a lot of times we don't tell things in love. If speaking the truth is more important to you than the person whom you're speaking to, you probably are not going to talk with much grace and compassion. And what happens from that, and I don't, again, I don't like to be too blunt, but if, if, we're, if we're talking without much love, if we're talking a lot of truth but without the love, People are not going to stick around very long to talk, to, to hear us out when it actually matters. 
I think that there is a misconception that in order to stand up for what matters, in order to stand up for what is true and what is right and what is holy, that we have to be like the Old Testament prophets who are out there yelling at people and saying, you're, you're going to go to hell, you're going to die. And you're, oh, that is not our job. If you think that's your job, please just be quiet for a while. Please understand that prophets didn't really get up in front of their friends and yell all the bad things at them. I think it's really safe what I'm about to say is this. Your job is not to be the angry prophet with the people you have relationship with. The act of doing that is only going to push them away. Your job is not to be the angry prophet with the people you're close to. I really believe that. Now, you might say, Kellen, I don't think you're preaching right now. You're giving opinion. The reason that I have this strong opinion is because it's backed in Scripture. I look at Jesus and I look at the Pharisees to see, I believe that we truly are supposed to give people truth, but we're supposed to give people truth with love. We're called to bring out truth into the open, but it actually matters how we bring truth out in the open. It 100% matters. Because see, even godly truth, if it, is, if it is brought out to somebody in the wrong way, Godly truth will just make people angry. It won't make them want to change at all. Why would we want to give truth to people if it's not going to help them change? If it's just going to make them angry? You know, what if Jesus came to the woman at the well, this woman who was a sinful woman, who was a Samaritan, she wasn't like, she wasn't a Jew, so people shouldn't have talked to her if they were Jewish. What if Jesus came to the Samaritan woman at the well and was like, yo, woman, you've been divorced a bunch of times and you're living with somebody who's not your husband now. Now give me some water. Wouldn't have gone very well. She'd have been like, dude, get out. But he took time to love her. He took time to have a conversation with her to to let the relationship get to the place where she was ready to hear some truth. But instead, sometimes we as Christians, we just want to throw truth right in people's face. And it doesn't come across very well. And that's the thing that you and I have to remember. The Holy Spirit is okay working more slowly than you and I seem to want to work a lot of the time. I wish that I could go back to that relationship with my friend from college and just be a little calm about the church thing for a while. I wish that I could go back to, to conversations I've had with a hundred different kids from youth groups over the years and not thought that I had to get them right in the place with Jesus that they were supposed to be right then in that conversation. I know I've pushed kids too far too quickly sometimes. And I think God opens doors more fully when we stay patient and we wait on his timing. Jesus did that with people. If you look in scripture, he really didn't preach at people in personal relationships. He loved people. And then they wanted, they wanted his advice. When you get to the place where you're not preaching to people, but they, you've loved them so well that now they're coming to you and being like, hey, what is your opinion on this? You've done your job. That's when people are going to listen to you. That's when people are going to be able to hear Jesus the right way from you. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were the religious people. They did it all wrong. Instead of telling people in love, here's, here's what you can do. They came right at the rules. If you don't do this, you are awful. And when we get people to change their ways because we've given them rules rather than love, we actually put them on the same trajectory that we're on ourselves to not love people well. And so Jesus, Matthew 23, 13 says, now this is one of the moments where Jesus is a little harsh because it was a Pharisee. 
He was a little harsh to them sometimes. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Ooh. I never want, I never want God to look at me and be like, dude, you're, you're making people out to be just as bad as you're being right now. There is an agape love that Jesus calls us to, a love that is completely perfect, completely pure from the Father. That is the way that you and I are called to love people. That is the way you and I are called to bring truth into people's lives. And I'm telling you what, we've, we're, already starting, we're already starting all the stupid political stuff. It's a year and a half away. Please don't get ugly. Please actually decide when you talk about it that people could walk away and go, that's a follower of Jesus that I can actually get behind. Man, we do ourselves a disservice sometimes when we don't love well. I'm not sure that we can say we are actually giving people God's truth if it's delivered absent of love. If you are trying to give people God's truth and it is not full of love and grace and mercy, you are missing the biggest component, component of what God's love actually is. Jesus doesn't push us away. In fact, even in the, in the place of our worst sin, Jesus is calling out to us and he's actually pulling us in. My favorite verse, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is never pushing us away. Today, my questions are, are you actually pushing people away in your life? Are you challenging someone in a way that maybe isn't the way that you're supposed to challenge someone? Or are you being challenged by somebody and you're not liking it? You don't want to look at the mirror that's being placed in front of you and say, okay, maybe I need to change. And now you're just looking at them so much and you're finding all the evil in them and you're starting to push away. I'm telling you, some of you right now are, you've got a really good relationship that needs to, to stay in place, but you're pushing away because you don't want to change. Don't miss the opportunity that God is putting in your life to see that you get changed the way that he wants you to change. Don't push that person out of your life. And don't be the person that you're trying so hard to bring God to somebody that you're being a jerk for it. If you want healthy relationships, relationships that will have an impact for Jesus, we have to focus on loving well. That is the most important, maybe the only important part of it. We've got to love well. I think Jesus wins our hearts by the depth of his love, not by telling us what we can and cannot do. This week, let's go ahead and let's try to win people's hearts by the depth of our love, not how we tell them that they're wrong. All right? Let's pray. Let's ask God to, to give us the grace in those moments where that inner thing in us starts to spark and we want to tell people what's up. And let's, let's ask God to give us that patience, to give us that wisdom to just pause so that we can love well. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.